in June of 1989, after our early afternoon wedding and reception, Rob and I set out for the typical honeymoon destination of our time. Where do you think that might have been? Niagara Falls, that's right, Niagara Falls. We had never been there before, but the advertisements in the back of the bridal magazines had beckoned us, and we were looking forward to a week of adventure as newlyweds. My brother-in-law, Jim, had been there before and was so very excited to gift us, along with my sister, a two-night stay in an upper-scale Sheraton a few short steps from the falls. As if this alone wasn't a thoughtful enough gift, especially on a pastor's salary, he even went so far as to spring for a bottle of champagne and an upgraded room with a view of the falls. Making our way to the elevator and then riding up to the room on, t on the top level floor, I imagined waking up every morning, opening the drapes, and bam, those falls would be there all in their glory. But to our dismay, we quickly realized that our brother-in-law had been taken for the only view of the falls that we would have seen from our room would happen only if Rob swung me out over the balcony like a trapeze artist <laughs> in the Ringling Brothers in Barnum and Bailey Circus. And then would I only be able to see just a tiny, tiny sliver of the thunderous, majestic wonder of God's creation. On this fourth Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of love, we see how Mary and Elizabeth offer us a view of what the love of God looks like as we consider the vantage point through the picture window of our own hearts. Will you pray with me? O oh, mighty one who scatters the proud and fills the hungry, let your word leap in us that we may know the joy and blessedness of offering a room with a view. Amen. Thank you. As God has spoken through the prophets, now God speaks to us. A reading from Micah 5, verses 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel." And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. And now let us hear the word of God from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1 verses 39 through 55. 
In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowly state of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Amen. The yearning of Advent is rooted in the enormous contrast between the way things are in the world and the way God would have them be. The characters in today's scripture readings have endured much. God's people in the time of Micah's prophetic writing suffered invasion and later exile. And in the case of Mary and her cousin Elizabeth, oppressive Roman rule. Thousands of years later, we turn on the news to find that in some instances, these things and other atrocities are still happening. The prophetic voices of Micah, Mary, and Elizabeth give us hope and serve as a room with a view of God's love for his people. Today's gospel story begins after Mary consents to Gabriel's word, and now wastes no time in doing something with it. The visitation, as today's story of Mary and Elizabeth is often referred to, was Mary's independent initiative to Gabriel's report of Elizabeth's miraculous pregnancy. It was a long way to Elizabeth's house. With no mention of a traveling companion, Mary's nearly 100-mile journey might well have been a risky one. Yet, Scripture tells us that she went with haste. Why then does Mary choose to go? Is it to affirm the truth of the promise? For companionship with the only person in the world who would understand Did she go for the nurturing wisdom of an older relative? 
Maybe she made the journey for the privilege of helping Elizabeth through the last months of her pregnancy. Or maybe for a mutual quickening of courage. Perhaps Mary's decision to travel 100 miles alone was for the sheer joy of sharing in Elizabeth's joyous news. Reasons such as these, confirmation of promises, companionship with kindred spirits, the sharing of wisdom, encouragement and courage, as well as the flourishing of joy are some of the varying motivations that we unite together in being the church. What view does Mary and Elizabeth give us from the visitation? Well, if you think about it, we see the first gathering of the community of Jesus Christ. Their view of Christ's community invites us to recall how much we need each other to draw fresh courage from each other and to celebrate all that we share as bearers of the promise together. But the invitation doesn't stop there. Through their example, we are invited to examine the view from our own rooms. Do we offer the best possible view of the hope, peace, joy, and love found in Christ our Savior? Friends, God has ordained us to be innkeepers, making room in the end for those who are yearning for a kind of hospitality that brings more hope to the frightened, more peace to the weary, and more joy and love to the hearts that mourn for all of it. God has ordained us to house the holy. God has ordained us to house the holy with holy hospitality. Holy hospitality comes from offering the very best of rooms with the most spectacular views. So what would that look like? Rob and I enjoy the sights and sounds of beautiful Colorado Springs, so occasionally when we need a quick getaway, we will take a long weekend and drive there. One perk of Rob's many years of business travel is that he has become a lifetime titanium member of Marriott Hotels. With this lifetime membership comes quite a few benefits, with one being room upgrades. One trip we were delighted when we were awarded a room upgrade that was on the back side of the hotel. We entered, and to our amazement, we had been given a suite. But no room in the whole hotel could boast a vantage point such as the likes of this one. When I opened the drapes to the very large window, I was overwhelmed by the view. Pike's Peak was centered squarely in the middle of the room's large picture window. So close it was if I could reach out and scoop up a handful of snow off of its peak. Friends, this is the type of view God wants us to offer of Christ Jesus. 
a view that is centered and vivid. Too often, the view we share is too much like the view from the room at Niagara Falls. It only, only offers a tiny sliver of who Christ is. Now, we neglect a multitude of opportunities for a multitude of excuses. When preparing for this sermon, I prayed to God and asked him how I would go about presenting this metaphor, the concept of offering a room with a view. Feeling like the Holy Spirit supplied me with all the material I needed, God very vividly, and might I add persistently, presented me with an additional but very necessary metaphor. If a room with a view is representative to our lives lived out in Christ's service, then that big picture window in our room is our heart. God said to me, Rhonda, if you want to give people the clearest view of me, you need to make sure your window is clean. Right? God never ceases to blow my mind. But seriously, you all have viewed something through a dirty window before. You can still see what you need to see, but just not as clearly. When our windows are dirty, we risk compromising not only the view, but the joy of the sheer beauty that the view has to offer. There is a classic story that illustrates for us what our room with a view could look like. A room with a centered view of Christ and a window that reveals the sheer and brilliant beauty of the light of love. The host was an innkeeper by the name of Wallace Turling. Wally was nine that year and in the second grade, though he should have been in the fourth. Most people in town knew that he had difficulty keeping up. He was big and awkward, slow in movement and mind. Still, Wally was well-liked by the other children in his class, all of whom were smaller than he, though the boys had trouble hiding their irritation when Wally would ask to play ball with them, or any game for that matter, in which winning was important. They'd find a way to keep him out, but Wally would hang around anyway, not sulking, just hoping. He was a helpful boy, always willing and smiling, and the protector, paradoxically, of the underdog. If the older boys chased the younger ones away, it would be Wally who would say, can't they stay? They're no bother. Well, friends, Wally fancied the idea of being a shepherd in the Christmas pageant. But the play's director, Miss Lombard, assigned him a more important role. After all, she reasoned, the innkeeper did not have too many lines and Wally's size would make his refusal of lo lodging to Joseph more forceful. 
And so it happened that the usual large partisan audience gathered for the town's yearly extravaganza of crooks and creches, of beards, crowns, halos, and a whole stage full of squeaky voices. No one on stage or off was more caught up in the magic of that night than Wallace Hurling. They said later that he stood in the wings and watched the performance with such fascination that Miss Lombard had to make sure he didn't wander on stage before his cue. Then the time came when Joseph appeared, slowly, tenderly, guiding Mary to the door of the inn. Joseph knocked on the door, the knocked hard on the wooden door, set in the painted backdrop. Wally, the innkeeper, was there waiting. What do you want, Wally said, swinging the door open with a brusque gesture. We are seeking lodging. Seek it elsewhere, Wally spoke vig vigorously. The inn is filled. Sir, we have asked everywhere in vain. We have traveled far and are very weary. There is no room in this inn for you. Wally was properly stern. Please, good innkeeper, this is my wife, Mary. She is heavy with child and needs a place to rest. Surely you must have some small corner for her. She is so tired. Now, for the very first time, the innkeeper relaxed his stiff stance and looked down at Mary. With that, there was a long pause, long enough to make the audience a bit tense with embarrassment. So, be gone, the prompter whispered. No, Wally repeated automatically, be gone. Joseph sadly placed his arm around Mary and Mary laid her little head upon her husband's shoulder and the two of them started to move away. The innkeeper did not return inside his inn, however. Wally stood there in the doorway, watching the forlorn couple. His mouth was open, his brow creased with concern, his eyes filling unmistakably with tears. And suddenly, this Christmas pageant became different from all others. Don't go, Joseph, Wally called out. Bring Mary back. And Wallace Hurling's face grew into a bright smile. You can have my room. Some people in town thought that the pageant had been ruined. Yet there were others, many, many others, who considered it the most Christmas of all Christmas pageants they had ever seen. Micah's room offered a view of Christ through his prophetic words, Mary's through her song, Elizabeth's with her blessing, and Wallace Hurling's with his unwavering love and compassion. As you prepare to make room to house the holy, what view of Christ Jesus 
will be offered from the window of your heart. Amen.